the things that we've been talking about these past few weeks uh, can be very concerning, can't they? In the blink of an eye, like a thief in the night, at the moment that you least expect it, Jesus comes back and the dead in Christ rise first. And those who are alive are caught up with him. And chaos and pandemonium ensues as a billion people all of a sudden disappear. There are car wrecks on every street, on every highway, because Christians who were driving those cars are no longer there, and the cars continue on. There are fires all over the globe because people were cooking their breakfast, their lunch, their dinner, and all of a sudden that person disappeared, and that fire began as a result. Planes are falling from the sky because Christian pilots and co-pilots suddenly disappeared. It will be unlike like anything this world has ever endured before. Governments will shut down. Schools will shut down. We talked last week about the the 9-11 and what happened to our country as a result of that, as a result of two planes wrecking into two buildings. And then we talked about the coronavirus, how a little virus shut down the entire world. Imagine a billion people all of a sudden just disappear. And all of a sudden, hyperinflation happens, and everyone's looking for a leader. They're looking for someone who has the answers to all the world's ills. And there will be a person, the Bible says, called the man of lawlessness, or the Antichrist, who will have all of the answers, and people will be very interested in what he has to say. Daniel chapter 11, verse 36 says, the king, the Antichrist, will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed, for what has been determined must take place. There will be a seven-year period of time called the tribulation. And during that seven-year period, God's wrath is poured out on mankind. The Antichrist gains some military victories. He gains military might. And in three and a half years, all the people have now turned to him. He has set himself up in the temple that has been rebuilt as God himself. And he commands that everyone would bow down and worship him. He now has set up a system of a one-world leader with a one-world government, with a one-world economy. And he says you cannot buy or sell anything unless you have a mark on the back of your hand or upon your forehead. Now listen, if you don't take the things of Jesus Christ seriously, if you never give your life over to him and Jesus returns in our lifetime, do not take the mark of the beast. Let me say that again as a fair warning to you. Do not take the mark of the beast. There will be hyperinflation. A week's worth of wages won't even buy you a single loaf of bread. My goodness, things get so bad that Revelation chapter 6 says, The kings of the earth, the generals, the rich and the mighty will hide. They will cry out for the mountains to fall on them to shield them from God's wrath. This is some intense stuff, isn't it? And so we come to church and we hear about these things and it kind of brings about a bit of anxiety, doesn't it? But every single week I have said one thing again and again and again. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can relax. 
You don't have to worry about these things. God has this under control. Well, you can imagine how shocked I was this past week. I don't know. It's probably Tuesday afternoon when my oldest daughter called me on the phone. She said, Dad, I was flipping through TikTok videos. She was on the tick was what she was on. She was flipping through all the videos on the tick and there was some video on there about a one-world religion. She said, Dad, it's already happening in our time. And I said, Would you relax? I mean, I've said this again and again. Do you not listen to my messages that I give on the... And I don't think she remembers the things that I share in those messages. I said, you can relax. You are a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Well, we've been saying through this book called Second Thessalonians, right? And those people, they're anxious. They're nervous. There's been some rumor. There's been some letter floating around that supposedly came from Paul that basically states that Jesus has returned and that these people have been left behind and they are absolutely freaking out. So Paul sits down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God and he begins to write down to them why they don't need to be worried, why they can relax. So let's continue through 2 Thessalonians. We're up to chapter 3. In this passage of scripture, he gives us three reasons why we can relax about the return of Jesus. The first one is this, we've been chosen by God to be saved. He starts off in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. He says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, and you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to get this. God saw you. God picked you to be a part of this family. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to absolutely shock you. He did not pick you or choose you because of your abilities. He did not pick you or choose you because of your witty personality. He did not pick you or choose you because of your amazing good looks. I know I'm as shocked as you are right now. Friends, he chose us in spite of us. In spite of all of our lies, in spite of all the times we've, made, we've said one thing and we've done another, in spite of all of our hypocrisy... In spite of all the promises that we've made to other people, to ourselves, and to God, and we didn't keep any of those promises, God still saw something in us that was worth sending his son to die for. God chose us. Look at this passage again. It says, from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Now, now, what does this mean that God chose us? Does that mean that God predestined those who get eternal life and those who don't get eternal life? No. It means that God predestined the way to salvation. That the way to salvation would be through his son, Jesus Christ. And those who have faith in him will be saved. And those who don't have faith in him will not be saved. But it is your choice. You get to choose for yourself whether you want to accept the gift of salvation or whether you want to push the gift of salvation away, whether you want to reject the gift of salvation. Let, let me try to explain this in, in a way that all of us can understand. I, I need a volunteer. Does anybody want to help me out? Somebody raise your hand help me out a little bit. Anybody, anybody? Come on down with the polo shirt. Come on down. You're going to help me out. We'll get you up on the stage, all right? Come on. Let's give them a round of applause. Come on, come on right up here to the front. We'll just talk right here, me and you. Just be buddies here for a second. Hey, I'm Todd. What's your name? Marcus. 
Marcus, nice to meet you. We've never met before, have no, we? Sir. It's our first time to meet. Well, it's nice to meet you, Marcus. You. Tell me three things you love about me. Oh, uh, you're funny? I'm funny. I appreciate that. Do you hear that? The last service, the guy said I was good looking. I appreciate yeah, that. That was probably your second one, right? I'm just oh, messing yeah, with you. There's yeah. a thousand things. It was just too many for him to come up with just three things that he wanted to share about me. All right, now I have a, a $20 bill, Marcus, and I would like to give to you this $20 dollar bill okay here you go did, did you see how fast he took that when I put that on I mean no questions give me that back I'm cheap don't you know how cheap I am I'm not gonna know. and did you see what he had to do I don't don't do it yet Marcus I offered him a $20 bill and what did he have to do it would, it would so so much you had to receive it didn't you let's do it in slow motion I offered him a $20 bill, and he had to receive it. Marcus, inflation's at 8.2%. Enjoy that $20 bill. Thanks for helping me out. Let's hear from Marcus right now. That was great. He had to receive it. I offered it to him. And then Marcus had to make a decision. Did he want the money or did he not want the money? And Marcus made a very good decision, didn't he? Because 20 bucks is 20 bucks. You understand what I'm saying? It won't fill up your tank of gas, but it'll help a little bit along the way. It's amazing to me that Jesus offers his free gift of salvation and people reject it. He says, listen, I want to forgive you for everything you've ever done. I, I want to have a home for you in heaven. I want to spend every day with you on this earth. I want you to have abundant life on this earth and eternal life in heaven. I offer a relationship to you. And people say, get your hand out of my face. They reject it because we're always afraid what strings are attached to it. We had one of our residents this past week go out to one of the three streets here in Albuquerque, and he had a sign that said, free hugs, $10. He would give anybody who gave him a free hug, he'd give them a $10 bill. Look at what people did. Free hugs. You want a free hug? Hey there. Want a free hug? Okay. You sure? What's the deal? Just giving out free hugs. You look like a friend of mine. Oh, perfect. Oh, it makes it even Hi. better. Oh. Let's go Here you go. Just because you want to see what's going on, huh? Hey, you want a free hug? No, okay. Hey, guys, free hugs? Oh, okay. Oh, thank you, man. Good. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Free hugs. Free hugs, man. You want one? Yeah. Oh, come here. Yay. Oh, there we go. Hey, hey here. There you go. Why are you getting a $10? Because it's a free gift. Oh, it's, that's, it's just that easy. Oh. <laughs> come here, man. Hey, they say you need Appreciate 12 a day, it. bro. 12 a day? 12 a day to survive. Well, here, bro. Okay. Give me the gift back. Yeah. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah, dude. Oh, she's... <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, lovely. Oh. Hey, hey, here. Hi, there you go. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm so sweet. Hi, ma'am. Free hug. Oh, okay. No. Oh, there you go, man. Here. 
There you go. Here. It's a free hug. It's that Aye, simple. Aww. <laughs> here, here. Are you serious? Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm serious. Seriously? There you go, man. It's a free gift. Hi, you changed your mind. I did. <laughs> That's what's up. Hi. Fifty percent said no, thank you. I don't want to extend any kind of hug to you. I don't want to get ten dollars. And I thought Connor's a pretty good-looking kid, to be honest with you. I don't want anybody to pass that up. Yeah, fifty percent did. Didn't make any sense, did it? You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. 90% of the people in Albuquerque reject Jesus. I don't understand it. And it's about 90% in Ambergus Key on the little island right there outside of Belize. Same deal. Just don't want anything to do with him. Just going to live my life the way I want to live my life. Going to do my thing the way I want to do my thing. And Jesus says, I died for you. I rose again for you. I want to spend forever with you. I paid the price for you. No. No, thank you. I want you to see this verse in Scripture, 1 Timothy 2, 4. It says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. My goodness, he, he's done everything to have a relationship with you. And yet, you don't want the gift that he has to offer you? Andrew Jackson, who, by the way, Marcus, is on the $20 bill. Just to make sure you understand that. Andrew Jackson was president of the United States, and there was a guy by the name of George Wilson. And not to be mistaken for the next-door neighbor of Dennis the Menace, but uh, George Wilson had uh, robbed a train and had killed a guard. And he was tried by a jury of his peers, and he was found guilty, and the sentence was death by hanging. Well, during that time period, people didn't really like capital punishment too much. And so there was a lot of pressure on the president of the United States to offer this man a presidential pardon. And so Andrew Jackson gave a presidential pardon to George Wilson. Here's where the story gets very interesting. He refused the pardon. He said, I will not accept the presidential pardon. Well, nobody had ever heard of such a thing before. No one had ever done such a thing before. So it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court had to rule whether someone could reject a pardon or not. And this is what they said. A pardon is a parchment whose only value must be determined by the receiver of the pardon. It has no value apart from that which the receiver gives to it. George Wilson has refused to accept the pardon. We cannot conceive why he would do so, but he has. Therefore, George Wilson must die. And he did. He was hanged because he chose not to accept the presidential pardon. Well, here's the deal, friend. Some of you are going to go to hell. And it's because you reject the pardon that Jesus gives you. But don't blame God for it. God so loved you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've accepted the gift of salvation, you have a friend who sticks closer than a brother, you do life together with Jesus every day, and every day's an adventure, and it just gets better and better and better because his presence is with you, guess what? You don't have to worry about the end of all things. You don't have to worry what people are saying or what people are... I don't have to worry about the news and get anxious. You are a child of God, and he's got you. He'll take care of you. Let me give you the second reason you can relax. We have the Holy Spirit's presence living in us. 
When a person asks Jesus to come in their life, we get the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Ephesians chapter 1. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of of his glory. So you ask Jesus to come into your life. He gives you the Holy Spirit of God. He lives inside of you. What's the Holy Spirit do? Well, one, he convicts us of sin. Jesus said in John 16, verse 8, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin. Let me ask you a question. You ever sat in a service and you felt like the preacher was talking directly to you? Has that ever happened to you? Like we've got some kind of camera in your house. We've been checking your mail before you get your mail. That we know the situations that you're going through. The questions that you have. You ever sat here and it's as if everybody else just kind of melts away. And all you can hear is like that one person talking directly to you. And it's exactly what you needed to hear at that moment in time. That's God's Holy Spirit speaking to you. Let me ask you another question. You ever been home alone and you did something you shouldn't have done? And all of a sudden you felt a twinge of pain, a twinge of guilt over what you had done. And nobody else knew that you did it. There was nobody else around. It was just you and the Holy Spirit. And you felt the Holy Spirit kind of say, you you shouldn't have said that. You you shouldn't have done that. You, you, You shouldn't have acted that way. You need to make things right. You need to get that right with God right now. You need to confess your sin, repent of that. You need to make that right right now with that friend of yours that you said that about, that you did that to. You need to make that phone call, and you need to apologize for what you've done. Where does that come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also comforts us when we're hurting. John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit our comforter. My goodness, when all hell is breaking loose around you, when nothing in your life makes any sense, and yet you have a peace that passes all understanding, where does that come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Last weekend, I asked you to pray for my daughter. She was having surgery again on her back on Friday at 1 o'clock. And you promised, you said that you would pray for her. And I know many of you did. You set reminders on your phone. I just want you to know the doctor came out after the procedure was over. And he said it couldn't have gone better. It went absolutely perfect. So I want to say thank you so much for your prayers. Well, the procedure was supposed to start at 1 o'clock. It didn't start at 1 o'clock. It started at 4 o'clock. You ever been in a waiting room? Waiting on the news, waiting for the surgery to begin, and how your mind can unravel and how you can spiral as a result of that. So one o'clock's supposed to happen, hasn't happened. One fifteen comes around, one thirty comes around, still hadn't happened. Two o'clock, two thirty, three o'clock. What are we feeling? We're feeling more anxious. Finally they wheel her back at four o'clock. About four fifteen, I called my wife on the phone. I said, How are you doing? She said, I have moments of anxiety. But I know our church is praying for us, and I feel their prayers, and I know that God's with me, and I know we're going to be okay. And I'll be honest, every time I felt a twinge of anxiety during that time, during those moments, I just sought the Lord's face. I said, you know what? She's your child. You have her. Your will be done in this situation. Just grant us a peace that passes all understanding. 
no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, the Holy Spirit goes through that with you. Even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll fear no evil, for his rod and his staff will comfort you, because he'll never leave you, and he will never forsake you. Let me give you another thing. The Holy Spirit gives us courage. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. He gives us courage, courage to stand for what is right, courage to do the thing that nobody else is willing to do, courage to go after that promotion, courage to go after that test, courage to take that next step forward, courage to face that weakness, courage to repent of that sin, courage to get your life right with the Lord. Courage to share Jesus with somebody else. You ever had that moment in time when you're talking to somebody about Jesus and all of a sudden words start coming out of your mouth and you're like, where in the world did these words come from? Because these are the most intelligent words I've ever said before and I don't have a clue. You ever had that happen to you? Friends, that's the Holy Spirit of God speaking through you. Holy Spirit also works on our character to make us more and more like Jesus. Holy Spirit is bent on this idea that we reflect Jesus in everything that we say and everything that we do. And he's always developing within us the fruits of the Spirit. The Bible lists those in Galatians chapter 5. They're love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So here's what happens. The Holy Spirit begins to guide us to develop those things. How does the Holy Spirit develop those things? By putting us in opposite situations. You don't learn patience by having everything work out your way. You learn patience when God places you in impatient circumstances and situations. I had a friend of mine say to me, I never pray for patience. I say, why? Because God's going to put me in the worst case scenario where I'm going to have to learn patience. Like you're at the grocery store, right? And it's all backed up because nobody can get anybody to work anymore. And it's all backed up as far as the eye can go. So you're standing there in line. But you had two lines to choose from. And so you kind of look at both of the checkout people to see what their age is. Who might go a little faster, right? Because you got places to go and people to see. <laughs> you got things to do, right? So you kind of pick your pony that you're going to have for the race, right? And so then you get in one of the lines and then you look across the way and you see someone in the other line, don't you? That's you, right? That's what that rep is. I got in that line, that would be me. And then you watch the race start to happen. They edge a little bit ahead of you, and you get a little more anxious. And you edge out, yeah, I picked the right line, right? That's how it goes. Yeah, I'm not the only one who does this. Who else does this? Anybody else do this? Oh, yeah, we're sick. I tell you what, that's what we are right there. And if we get to the line faster, we feel good, don't we? Because we won. And if they check out first, we chose the wrong line. What if we just said, who cares? And some of you are like, I can't do that. I can't do that. But what if we did? What if we said, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to be patient. Yeah, the day I was at Target, and we were in the self-checkout. And I don't know why people don't understand technology. But there, there was a lady there, and she must have been, I don't know, 150. And uh, <laughs> she slowly walked up. You know, she was in front of me, and she starts hitting the buttons and stuff. And I'm thinking, this poor lady, she probably thinks technology is the, you know, the phone on her wall. You know what I mean? That's what she thinks. She didn't know what in the world she was doing, and she was confused. Now, I could have gotten impatient. I could have gotten mad. But why don't I just went up and helped her? I mean, why, why wouldn't we do that? Why wouldn't we be patient with other people, patient with the person who cuts in front of you, even when they have a sagebrush sticker? You know what I'm saying? Just be patient <laughs> with them as well. Help them out along the way. Then you start praying. You say, God, I want to be more loving. Can I tell you what God will do? He'll put the most obnoxious person in your life. 
That, your wife will drive you crazy. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just messing around. God, you don't need to fear the return of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. Let me give you the third thing. We don't need to be afraid of the return of Jesus because we've been given a purpose for our life. Paul lists three things in this passage. Now we're in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Three things are our purpose. Ready? Number one is this. We need to be praying for each other. Oh, what a joy it was this past week to know that you were praying for me. We have a tremendous opportunity every single day to just shoot up sentence prayers with God. Just walk with God all day long. Pray for people's health. Pray for people's spiritual well-being. And then it says this, our purpose is to share Jesus with others. He says this, pray that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly. There was an obnoxious preacher. And he would get on city buses and he would yell at the different passengers and kind of be a turn or burn kind of a preacher. Well, they stopped at one particular bus stop and this drunk man got on board. He sat down while the preacher pounced on this situation, had his big King James Bible and he sat down next to the man. He said, do you realize you're headed for hell? And the drunk said, oh no, I got on the wrong bus again. In Iowa, there was a terrible flood, and people were being evacuated from their home. Uh, there was a police officer who was watching the drama unfold before him. He saw a little boy about the age of 11 or 12 years old, and he was carrying another little boy on his shoulders, and he had a suitcase in each of his hands, and he was trying to make it through the water. The police officer came over and said, son, you got too heavy of a load. you got that boy on your shoulders. You've got the suitcases. You need to lighten your load. It's too heavy for you. The little boy looked at the police officer and said, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. Every single person you lock eyes with matters to God, and they should matter to us as well. And every single person you lock eyes with is going to spend their eternity with God or without God. And you know things that nobody else knows. You know about salvation. You know that God is for you. You know that God sent his son to die for you, that God wants to forgive us for every rebellious, sinful thing we've ever done. You know those things. Why in the world do you keep them to yourself? Can I ask you a question? How long has it been since you brought somebody with you to church? You know what I know to be true? So we can go to church week after week after week after week, and the thought never even occurs to us anymore to invite someone to come with us. We can get in such a rut that we can be around people who are far from God every single day and never even have a conversation to say, why don't you come with me to church? What if we saw people the way Jesus sees people? What if we saw their hurt and we saw their pain and we shared with them the best friend we've ever had? Take a look at this. Cecilia and I met about 15 years ago. We became fast friends. There was something um, about her. Shannon and I would do things on the weekend when my husband had to work nights. Uh, and then when I learned that Eddie was sick and in the hospital and not doing well, uh, I think the entire community who knows Eddie was pretty devastated. 
right away he started getting worse and by December 7th he had passed away. You know, Cecilia is very strong outwardly, but I knew she was struggling internally. When your entire world comes crashing down, you're struggling, I don't care who you are. It's hard. I didn't think I was gonna be able to go on. I kind of grieved there by myself. I felt like I really needed to be there for Cecilia. One day we were just driving around in the car and um, I felt like I needed to invite her to church so that maybe it would help her find a little bit of peace in what she had just gone through. And uh, she agreed. At first it was like, wow, it's a date I can get out, but I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the sermons, the singing. And she got involved with the grief counseling. And when she saw a couple of people be baptized up on the stage, she made the decision to take that step and commit her life to the Lord and get baptized. I thought, I think I really want to get baptized that way. It's like a, it'll be a new beginning for me. It was a lot of fun for me to, to watch my friend Cecilia be baptized. You, ne you never know how people are going to react when you invite them to go to church. She shows me that you know she cares about me and she cares about God and how he loves us. If I didn't know that he was there with me, I don't think that I would be going on the way I am. God has a plan and it could be something as simple as inviting a friend to go to church. They need to know without a doubt that God is right there with them by their side. There are only two things in heaven that you won't get to do. One is sin, and the other is tell somebody about Jesus. Now the question we have to ask ourselves is, is which one of those two things do you think God wants us doing today? There's gonna be a day, because you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you're going to walk on streets of gold and you're going to be reunited with your family and your friends. Won't it be an amazing thing when one of your friends runs up to you and says, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for telling me about what Jesus did for me. I had no idea. But because you cared about my soul, you cared about my eternity, I'm here, well, in large part because of you. There's no greater feeling than that. So we should be praying, we should be sharing Jesus with others, and our third purpose is to persevere. It says, may the Lord direct you into God's love and into Christ's perseverance. In this world that we live in, you're going to be knocked down more times than you can count. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we get back up again because he got back up for us. Just hours before Jesus is crucified, he is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. They then drag him from one trial to another, six in total. And every place they drag Jesus, they beat him. At one particular stop, they blindfold Jesus, and they punch him in the face, and they pull at his beard. And they say, if you really are the Son of God, prophesy for us. Who hit you? Who punched you? And they push Jesus to the ground. But he got back up again. Pilate ordered that Jesus would be scourged. He was stripped naked. Tied to a pole, cat of nine tails was used to beat Jesus. Strips of flesh dangled from his chest at his back. He was beaten so badly he was beyond recognition. And I'm certain that when they cut the cords that held him to that, to that spike, he fell to the ground. But Jesus got back up again. 
He was sentenced to death by execution through crucifixion. He was told to pick up his cross and carry it to Golgotha, the place of the skull, one mile stretch of road uphill the whole way. But the blood loss for Jesus was severe. And he didn't have the strength to make it all the way. And so he fell down under the weight of the cross. Another man was chosen to pick up the cross. And then Jesus got back up again. He went all the way to the cross. He laid down his life. Nails were in his hands and his feet. A crown of thorns upon his head. For six hours, one Friday, he hangs there. Bearing the burden of the sins of all mankind. And then he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he died. And they took his body down. And they placed it in a tomb. And they put a stone at the entrance of the tomb. A stone that was so large, 20 men couldn't move it. And the Romans came and put a Roman seal and the elite Roman guard in front of the tomb to make sure that no one messed around with it. And they said, that's it. It's over. But three days later, he got back up again. When life knocks me down, and it's knocked me down more times than I can count, I get back up again. I remember what he endured for me. I'll endure anything for him. When I remember what he suffered for me, I'll suffer anything for him. I remember that he got back up again. The Bible says that God has set forth for those of us who are following Jesus a race. And we are to run the race to win. Some of you are brand new to the faith. These past few months we've seen so many people give their lives to Jesus Christ. And I'm so excited about your new faith in Jesus. But can I explain something to you? That is not the finish line. When you ask Jesus to come in your life, that's not the finish line. That is the starting line. And we want to help you start strong. That's why we have this next class that we offer. We offer it online and we also offer it in person. It's 20 things that I wish somebody would have told me when I became a Christian. Listen, I struggled for many, many years when I first gave my life to Jesus Christ. I don't want you to have the same struggles that I had. So I put these 20 devotions together. I put these messages together to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Some of you are just struggling in the faith right now. You, there was a time you loved Jesus more than you love him right now. You need to get involved in the next step. Some of you have brought friends, and your friends have given their lives over to Jesus Christ. You need to turn to them and say, you need to do that class, and I'm going to do it with you. And you need to get in that class with them and do it alongside them so you can help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. And it's easy to register. You just go to the Sagebrush app, and there are banners at the very top. You click Next Steps, and you register yourself for the next course. But listen to me. Awards get distributed at the finish line, not at the starting line. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, what are we to do? We're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and we are to run the race in such a way as to win. And we keep persevering until there's no more breath in our body or until Jesus comes back home. We keep on and we get back up because he got back up for us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that for the Christian, we have nothing to worry about. You are in control and you will take care of us. Thank you for choosing us. 
Thank you for wanting a relationship with us. Lord, I pray for anybody here or at home who for some reason has rejected you, that they would come to their senses and they would want you more than anything else. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that gives us peace and comfort, that convicts us of our sin, that gives us courage and shapes and molds us to be more like Jesus. Lord, until you come, may we be prayer warriors. May we share you with everyone we know. And may there be no quit in us, no matter what. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.